The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thank you so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. Today we have episode 147. Into the episode, I will be reading from Grandma's House, a death scene, if we have enough time. And next chapter, I think we're like on chapter three. A little hard with that one because there aren't really chapters, just wherever I divided it up. I guess it's a chapter. We'll call it a chapter, make it easier. Anyhow, we'll be knocking that out today. Uh, Been an awesome week. Got in five days of lifting and yoga, feeling good, feeling positive. It's been, uh, had a little bit of trouble getting on social media this week. I usually hate social media. I always, I generally hate social media, except for dark and disturbing, fear-filled fiction. Usually that's where I want to go to interact with people. If I'm going to post anywhere, that's why I'm posting. Um, but even this week, fuck, I just did not feel like doing that. I had a lot of shit going on. Um, I don't know, just didn't feel like tapping into that world, those distractions, um and just focusing on uh my stuff my stuff has been good a lot of trying to die shit is happening very excited about um one of the things i just spent the last two days doing was going over evan's uh dark trying to die in a dark fairy tale he gave me the first three chapters the opening act um it's awesome i went through it all gave him my suggestions which is always hard to do i always feel a little strange editing another person's work you know essentially uh, telling them how i would like to do it you know what my style is like what i like to do in first person present tense a lot of people don't write in that um and it's not like my way is the right way and so i try to let each of my authors know i was like okay look this is your version of it and then i'm gonna do my version give it back you to say what you like and don't like I'll do that again. We'll go back and forth a couple of times. Then the editor can decide what happens. Uh, not all books are like that. Like with uh, Sage's book, man, that shit was really, he did almost, well, he did all the writing on it. I did more of a light edit on it. And then another editor, um, you know, fix it up even more. So each one is different, but that's what I was working on this week. Also, um, Trenes die at summer camp, which is set in Canada. That one's going to be awesome. Uh, Caitlin was saying that she should have it done like mid-March or so, which is great. Uh, trying to die back at Grandma's house, which is the basis for the board game, which is going to be its own little novella. At first, I was thinking it was just a really short story, but it's probably going to be at least like 10,000 words, maybe even longer. Um, I just asked Anthony Spock if he would co-author that with me. He was the co-author of Trying to Die at Grandma's house. He knows those characters. They'll only improve it. Um, he's a pretty quick writer. I've been having trouble with my creativity. Uh, just because I got so much shit going on. But like I know exactly what happens in all these scenes. So, and I've already really developed the first act. So I just got to give him all my notes. Um, he'll flesh it out and then I'll take it back over and put it, you know, a little bit more in my style or whatever. Uh, and they mean that may not even be necessary. So that's cool. So that one, I'm guessing, will also be done by April. Um, and uh, also speaking with the so the author of Summer Camp, Caitlin, she's also going to be helping me design the board game. Uh, she's a big board game fan. So that's going to be awesome. Um, yeah, just a lot of cool shit going on. Oh, and I got, I heard back from Steve Montgomery. Good job, Steve. He got me chapter seven of uh, Transit Super High. The other chapters are already 
really clean, I think. Uh, he just has to go back through them. And then I think we also have to hit a bunch of death scenes. So that one's not going to be out as soon as I would like, but it's all good. Also talked to uh, John Palsano, who's working on the Wild West. He did trying to die in a pandemic. Wild West, he said he's on chapter eight or so uh, out of 20, um, which is cool. And once I get back from him, it's going to be super quick to get that one done. So don't know which book is going to be next. I'm guessing it will be Summer Camp, but it's also kind of cool not to know. Oh, and uh, also heard from Bill Marino, uh, Black Belt that's over here, Gracie Baja and Whittier. Uh, awesome guy. He got kind of sidetracked. I mean, fucking crazy ass life, you know, last couple of years. Uh, but he's working on one he wanted to get together and so we can discuss his figure it out a little bit more and that's the nice thing with his we weren't sure you know a year ago or whatever six months ago when we were first talking you know we weren't completely sure what it was going to be about but the more you let something marinate the more you're able to figure out okay that's what it is that's what i want to spend all this time on um you know so that was pretty cool a uh, lot of try not to die looking forward to that stuff um i just got a narrator he just knocked out morsels of mayhem it was supposed to be i was gonna have four different narrators i already had 31 others done that short story i think i had shared it on here um i had another narrator tried to do stuff but just didn't come out right and uh the guy who was doing tbr ct was also going to record uh paying the price but the guy who came in second gabriel michael um he was came in second on the TBI or CT. It was almost like the right voice, just off a little bit, but I thought he'd be perfect for the rules. I was correct. He knocked that one out. That one's awesome. But he also did the other three stories in there. So he did Paying the Price, The Rules, Stuffed, and 31 Others. All very excellent. I thought the other 31 Others was great too, but I might as well just use one narrator for this. So I think he did an incredible job. I have to give him the rest of my notes. Uh, for small corrections today and that should be out next week so excited about that i will definitely put out as soon as i have that release i will put the rules out on here actually probably stuff too i don't know it's probably been it's been a while i know i read that before probably like thanksgiving but whatever maybe you didn't hear it um also real quick con oh trinestadine brightside is free what else do we got free coming up uh, so yeah, pick up that. You can pick up Try Not to Die on Brightside. Last week, Brightside was free. Um, on February 8th through the 12th, we have Beyond Brightside free. And then February 9th through 13th, we have Untold Mayhem free. Um, so the next one, I'll be able to, then the pandemic is going to be the week after that. So anyhow, this week, you can get Try Not to Die on Brightside free until the 6th. Then from the 8th to the 12th, Beyond Brightside, the 9th to the 13th, Untold Mayhem. So lots of cool free shit for you to check out. Uh, tell your friends if they haven't read it and you think they enjoy it. Great chance for them to check it out while it's free. I also have a free contest going on. So a free giveaway. The prizes are, so if you're a Machine Head fan, which I am, um, you want to get in on this one because the grand prize, there's one grand prize. This one is a $100 gift, well, $100 store credit for 10 ton trading company uh, that is machine heads merchandise company and so you can get a cool hoodie a couple shirts whatever so that is the grand prize if you're 18 and over and live in the u.s you should enter that the other i think there's four other prizes and those are either uh trend to die books one through four or the bright side series which is bright side beyond bright side try not to die in bright side 
paperbacks and then the ebook of uh, Before Brightside. It's kind of like a little pornish. Uh, not really, just kind of. Uh, a little dirty, little, little dirty erotica. Need to write more of that shit. So what I'm excited about for today, though, doing something special because I wasn't really, uh, I mentioned I, I wasn't really into social media or whatever, uh, and even posting in the group. I did ask the group to give me some content for this week's newsletter. And I asked them if they had any questions I could answer. I'll do it in the newsletter. But instead of just doing that, I was like, why don't I talk about it here? Then I'll know exactly what to write on the newsletter. That will speed shit up. So knocking out uh, two things at once. So let's do that. Let's get to these questions. Question number one. And I hate even asking people if they have questions about me. Like, I'm so fucking great. Who cares? But if you're listening to this, maybe you really do care. Who knows? All right. And if you do, that's awesome. I think that's super cool. I am honored that anyone would give a shit about me and my life. All right. First one comes from Emily Haynes. Emily's been awesome. She has been, uh, she's recommended some books. Uh, I just picked up The Essential Six Stuff from Ronald Kelly. I've never read him before. I read one of his stories last night. That was awesome. Just started it. She also recommended uh, Collins, uh, Malignant, which was also really good. Um, she's been relatively new to my writing, I think, but incredible reader, awesome reviewer. Uh, so Emily, thank you very much. Her question, why do you enjoy horror? And then what is the hardest book you have written? Huh. Why I enjoy horror? Man, I didn't think I liked, you know, I wasn't sure if she means reading or writing. Uh, let's just go with both. I, I was afraid that I no longer liked reading horror, but that's definitely not the case because I really enjoyed uh, Duncan Ralston's uh, book I just read, The Midwives. That was awesome. Um, Malignant is not really horror, but it was horrific. Uh, enjoyed that and I think I'm really going to enjoy the six stuff I don't know I've always I like feeling uncomfortable I don't like watching horror so much uh, I don't like watching violence it's hard to read about violence towards you know kids or whatever else um, but I don't know life I, and I think the reason I, I write about or I write horror is uh, yeah, it's just a way to deal with death that's what uh, we're all afraid of it. it's all in the back of our head I don't give a shit what you say uh, I, I pride myself on being fairly stoic and not afraid of death or whatever else, but maybe that's also, maybe I have a, a better feel of it just because of, uh, you know, accessing it so much, thinking about it so much, realizing, oh, today could be the day, you know, I have a lot of dark thoughts. I've had dark thoughts since I was very young, uh, so being able to put them on paper um, helped a lot. You know, at first I was embarrassed with these thoughts i was like what the fuck's wrong with me that i have these kinds of thoughts but um it's great that people like to read them so that hopefully that answered that question and then also the second part was what is the hardest book you have written um that probably i i struggle with unlocking the cage because it was kind of boring i don't want to write nonfiction. um there were just so many people to choose from so many uh videos to watch and to listen to and transcribe so that one was kind of a bitch to write. Um, wasn't very happy with it. TBA or CT, although it was much shorter, um, that was probably the hardest book to write just because I went through a really bad depression, having to look at my brain damage. Um, and then talking with friends that were dying, you know, and, and, and talking with other friends that fucking, 
like their their lives are ruined because of what they did to their brain what i helped do to their brain or what they did to mine and so that was not a fun book to write um had to take a really harsh look at myself and uh and deal with it uh so that is the question and that's the answer for that all right let's get to the next one uh paul young uh, Paul is also uh, fairly new to my writing, I think. He's on the group. Uh, really appreciate him being there. He asked, do you write straight to computer or do you use traditional pen to paper? Um, let's see. Let's see. The answer is boom. Yeah, I carry this shit with me everywhere. What I like to do is, especially if it is fiction or brainstorming, I always brainstorm um, on huge pieces of paper. Giant pieces of paper but I could just draw um I could write big I could just I'm very visual so I like being able to do that I carry this kind of stuff with me everywhere once I have enough notes then I'll type it in um, especially for fiction nonfiction is more of on the computer because I'm probably doing like a daily journal or something like that and then it's easier to access later but for this I'll uh, whatever my notes are I'll create a scene I'll type it in I'll print that up and then I'll just work off of that, uh, you know, handwrite off of that, um, and then just continue that process. But I really, there's, it's very rare that I'll just sit on the computer and start um, writing, uh, except for nonfiction. All right, who do we got next? Um, Keith Thomas. Keith has been awesome too. Keith, I really appreciate how uh, supportive you are. Uh, and even just this, I'm going to read his thing just to give myself a pat on the back. Uh, Keith wrote, uh, you're, he's, I'm excellent at writing horror. Your Trinus to Die series are great. What inspired you to write Trinus to Die at Grandma's House? Um, uh, to me, my grandma's house, Gaga, was a safe haven uh, full of love, cookies, hugs, and lots of kisses. As a child, I believed it was one of those special places for children only, that nothing bad could happen to you at Grandma's. You were safe, protected, and a boogeyman couldn't get to you. Then I read your book, and that safe haven from my childhood, where only good things are supposed to happen, is turned upside down. Grandma's actually evil, and I felt I needed to sleep with the lights on. Yes. The question I'm getting to, how do you come up with the concept to make a part of childhood so dangerous and terrifying? So my grandmother's house was fairly, like, pretty much like that. It was a, definitely the cookies. That would be the first thing I would get to when I would go over there. Um, lots of love, but there was also... I don't know, the understanding that you were going to be well-behaved, you were going to follow directions, you uh, didn't mess around, um, you know, and yeah, my grandparents were awesome. It was a safe place. I also really enjoyed being able to take safe places and turn them into something that is not. I think that is, uh, it's a lot of fun. I like taking normal day activities, you know, in, in the story stuffed. I just had to listen to that. You know, it's just Thanksgiving in this person's house. Um, so just, everyday circumstances everyday events that just get a little bit uh twisted that is what i aim to do all right hopefully that wasn't too shitty of an answer the last one is from rebecca dotson rebecca is awesome she has been with me from the very start i believe um reviews everything always supportive always just been cool so rebecca thank you very much it is noted just what a awesome reader you are. I appreciate it. Her question, she wrote, kind of a dumb question, but when did you start writing or when do you know you wanted to be a writer? I love a backstory. First off, that is not a dumb question. 
I decide whether or not something is a dumb question. That is not. Uh, that's an excellent question. I um, Plus, any question where I get to talk about myself, that's awesome. Um, all right. So when did I know I wanted to be a writer? I enjoyed writing early. Um, but in high school, I actually got an A on a short story where the kid killed all his teacher and all the students in his class. And he might have tortured them too. And I believe my teacher even said he's giving me an A because he was a little bit worried about me, which he should have been because I was, uh, yeah, really dark place. So who knows? Uh, I wasn't going to kill my classmates, but I did write a story. If I had written that story today, uh, that same story, if I turned that in, like a high school student turned that shit in today, they would definitely be sent to the principal's office to talk with the counselor and everything else. Uh, they would be concerned about them. But for me, it was being able to just get that shit out. You know, it's like, yeah, I did have some anger or hatred towards him, him, and him. And this was, or a certain type of student or whatever else. And that was how I got rid of it. So, and no one got hurt. And I got a fucking A. Plus, uh, but I didn't know. So I enjoyed writing, but I didn't think I would do anything with it. For me, that was also, always had to fight that urge to, not be a dork i wanted to be a cool guy i didn't want to be a writer a writer that's a nerd you know i, I didn't want to be a nerd so um but now i take pride in being a nerd but back then i didn't want to when i realized i had this urge to write i was actually flying to see a girlfriend in pennsylvania you know i was excited to go see her but on the way there at the very start of the flight i had this idea that i saw people being an asshole to the male flight attendant and in my head, I'm like, what if that dude just killed all these asshole people? You know, like everyone that he kills, that he tortures, and there's some brutal torture scenes. Um, every one of them like kind of deserves it because they're kind of assholes. And so that was the thought I wrote on the entire plane. And I hadn't really been writing prior to that. Um, but I, I knew it was something was weird because when I got there that night, like all I wanted to do was keep writing. I didn't really care about talking to my girlfriend that much. I just wanted to write and so I, I never had that happen to me before um and then i just continued to do it i loved i realized i loved writing short stories i was able to do those while i was at work i would take graveyard shifts so i could write um well part of it was so i could fight during the day and train during the day but then i was also able to write my short stories at night you know what perfect setting to write a creepy ass short story about a mental health institute or whatever while I'm working in a prison fucking late at night or juvenile probation or wherever it was. Um, so that was, uh, yeah, I just found that's where it all kind of started. And I just kept doing more and more and more when I started selling some pieces, you know, sometimes it would just be getting rid of a piece for free, but it's like, Oh, someone liked my writing enough to take it and put it in this magazine. Or I got paid five bucks or 10 bucks or, you know, it would slowly go up. Um, but that's where I got my initial confidence and then when I launched Brightside and I had people like Rebecca and different people saying how much they enjoyed it, that is what just gave me that desire. Like, okay, I could be good at this. It's taken me a long time to even say, you know, I'm a halfway decent author or I'm a good author. Um, but it is all these different readers that are really appreciating my writing, that are leaving reviews, that are helping me grow. So it is incredibly appreciated. I really, really do mean that. So thank you. Now, back to me. Um, let's do this shit. Let's do Grandma's House because I'm in a pretty awesome mood. I wasn't going to do the death scene. 
Oh, fuck. Blew it. All right, let's pretend we don't know whether or not there's going to be a death scene or the real scene. Um, I guess I can mix it up on you guys. All right, so the decision was um, your grandma and grandpa want to take you to West Virginia with them. The people you're staying with, the Andersons are getting rid of you. They're moving. So your decisions were to take off with Sam, turn to page 22, or convince Grandpa Joe to let us stay, turn to page 35. Let's just go with the first one and see where it takes us. Sometimes I forget the right answer. Or do I? Maybe. All right, here we go. If we go downstairs, there's no way we can slip by Grandpa. He'll spot us the second we try to run. He's old, but I can tell he's quick. At least quicker than any other Grandpa I've ever seen. His arms and face are still chiseled under the leathery skin. Even with pants on, you can tell he doesn't have those withered old man legs. He probably runs five miles a day. No, if we're going to make it out of here, we need to go out the window. Technically, it's only two stories, but we're also over the deepest part of the wraparound driveway, which adds another 15 feet. We'll end up breaking something, and if that happens, we won't be going anywhere except maybe the hospital. I start to think the hospital might be our best chance. They can't move us to West Virginia if we have broken legs. At least we'll get a little more time. Then we can devise a better plan. But I realize that if one of us is in a cast, our options will get even smaller. We just need to make it down safely. I'm scouring the room for anything to help us, like a ladder or rope. But if the Andersons have anything like that, it'd be in the basement or shed out back. Both are out of the question. I think about my belt, but that's only going to give Sam a couple of feet. What about these, Sam asks. She's got a fistful of bedsheets in her hand. That only works in movies. Well, we don't have anything else. She's right, but I keep looking. I crawl around on the floor and look under the bed. There's nothing. Everything has been packed up. I find a box in the closet and open a treasure trove of Mrs. Anderson's old workout gear. Yoga mat, deflated workout ball, ankle weights, DVDs, and some sort of foam girdle type thing. I'd hoped I'd at least find a jump rope, but all that's left is sports bras. Sam freezes, whispers, did you hear something? I didn't, but I've been too busy rummaging to notice anything. We stand there completely still. I hear muffled conversations coming through the floorboards. I can sort of make out someone telling a story about my dad. A woman laughs. An old person is asking her if her husband wants a plate of food. She keeps screaming, do you want mustard? Then a loud creak. It was definitely the stairs. Someone is coming up. Might be Mr. Anderson, but if it's Grandpa, we're screwed. We probably are anyway, but I'm committed to this. I run over and take the wooden chair in the corner of the room and wedge it under the doorknob. The footsteps are getting closer. David, help me tie this. I don't know how she's done it, but Sam's already got three sheets tied together. She found a few more in one of the boxes. I grab two ends and tie them together. It seems like it's holding, but the sheets pull apart when Sam tugs. I start over and Sam ties one of the sheets around the bedpost. It's only a double bed. The frame is made of cheap wood. It might hold Sam, but I don't know about me. The doorknob jiggles. The wooden chair stays secure. David, Grandpa Joe says, what's going on? Are you two in there? My throat swells up and I can't swallow. Sam is at the window. She drops the tied sheets out. The look on her face says they didn't reach the ground, but she moves toward the bed to see if it's secure. She steps on a loose floorboard that creaks. I throw my hands up to tell her to stop moving, but it's too late. Grandpa Joe bangs his fist on the door and rattles the handle. Open this door right now. Bang, bang, bang. I'm counting three. And if this isn't open, your butts are going to be under my belt. 
Bang. One. Sam looks like she might cry, but she keeps focused, tightens the sheet around, tightens the sheet around the bedpost. Two. I know nothing about nuts, but the one on the bedpost doesn't seem like it's going to hold. David, do not make me get to three. Grandpa Joe's voice lowers, making him even more frightening. I promise you will regret it. Maybe this is a mistake. We can't go out the window. It's insane. Grandpa is still a person. I just need to talk to him, help him realize we don't need to move. Sam and I have a life here. We can't just up and leave. I step towards the door when I hear something scrape. It's the bed. It's sliding towards the window. Sam is already out. Her hands grip the sheet as she lowers herself down. I run over, stand between the bed and the window. I'm trying to keep the frame from sliding, but Sam's weight is pulling it. She's only a few feet down. Finally, I get myself wedged in between the wall and bed. I'm using my legs to keep it from sliding. Sam's screaming my name, but I can't stand up enough to look out. Not without losing my brace on the bed. The sheet's moving, even though the bed isn't. The knot, the one around the post is slowly slipping. I grab the sheet in my right hand and try to keep it secure, but it's running through my fist. Grandpa is trying to break down the door. I could use his help. Why did I have to put the chair there? He could be there pulling up Sam. He kicks the door, but the chair isn't budging. Unlike the bed, which is pushing me more into the wall. The sheet still slides over my skin. Sam's screaming. I start to tell her to forget the sheet, to try to grab onto anything, like a window or some of the brick, but it's too late. Her terrified wail cuts through the air. The sheet goes slack. I turn and see her gripping the sheet as it flutters next to her body. She's looking right at me, and I stretch down as though my arms could ever reach her. She's flipping backwards. Her head is going to land first, and my eyes snap shut. I can't look. I just hear the crunch. Good job. Killed your sister. Although you didn't die, so eh, whatever. All right. Here is the correct choice. Convince, cramp, convince Grandpa Joe to let us stay. Man, let's hope it's not too long. All right. You guys can stick with me for this one. Let's do it. If Sam wants to run, she's going to have to do it on her own. I know she won't, no matter how stubborn she is. Sometimes the only way to get through to her is just start walking and eventually she'll catch up. Mom and dad used to do this all the time at the mall. A few times we actually had to go into the parking lot and get in the car, but she always came out running. And as always, I hear her footsteps following as I head down the stairs. Grandpa Joe is walking out the door with two suitcases the Andersons must have packed for us. Grandma Barb is waiting by the coat rack. Her face turns from cold and vacant to a bright beaming smile when she sees us. All set? Grandma asks. I open my mouth, but nothing but air falls out. Stand, <clears throat> Sam steps onto the back of my hill. I say, ow, uh, we like to discuss this. For a split second, Grandma Barb's cold glare returns, then vanishes with another smile. And what would you like to discuss, sweetie? Well, we're not sure this is for the best. You're not, huh? It's just, we're in school, we got friends. Sam hangs around a couple of kids who, have more, who are more minions than friends, and I don't really have anyone close but I figure there's no reason Grandma Barb would know this. So I keep playing the kid with dead parents card. And with everything that's happened, we don't want to just pick up and move. Change is healthy, especially after a tragedy. You don't need to be walling around in this. It's not good for the soul. My soul's fine, Sam says, and I'm not going. Grandma Barb steps up to Sam. She's smiling, but it's scaring Sam. I can feel her shaking against my back. Darling, I know this isn't easy. Nothing about it is. But we've got your best interests at heart. We want to help. Sam gulps and turns to Mrs. Anderson. Can't we just stay with you? 
you know, I love that, but we just closed on the house. We're leaving next week. Mrs. Anderson gives a sad smile and says, this is what your parents wanted, Sam. Maybe it's what mom wanted, but there's no way in hell dad would have agreed, not after what happened to Tim. Come on, let's get in the car. We've got a long drive, grandma says. Sam's tugging at my shirt, trying to get me to do something to stop this, but I just follow grandma Barb out the door. She tries putting her hand on Sam's shoulder, but Sam shakes it off. When we step off the porch, Sam says, I still got stuff in our house. It'll all be shipped. I don't care, I need it. Sam heads onto the lawn. She's gonna run. Grandma Barb says, if you're looking for this, I can save you some trouble. She's holding Tim's old pocket knife, the one with his initials on the handle. Sam stares at it and knows she's busted. I found this in your room. Not really something for a little girl. It was Tim's. I see, well, if you want it, you just get in the car and I'll hand it over, deal? Sam glances at our house. <clears throat> I know she's thinking about bolting, but that knife means everything to her. An eighth grader tried to steal from her pack last year and ended up with seven stitches after Sam clocked him with a rock. Come on, sweetie, I can't stand here all day. Sam can though, and Grandma Barb sees it. All right, I'll make, it, I'll make you a deal, Grandma says. You and your brother just give us a chance, one week. If you hate it, we'll find some way for you to come back here before school starts. I know Grandma's lying, but Sam is definitely listening. She's normally not this gullible, especially with big promises. Grandma says, and there's still some attempt stuff we never got around to shipping. You can go through it and take what you want. All I'm asking is for one week. It makes me wonder if I'm wrong about her lying. She seems to mean it. Maybe we can come back if we just give it a shot. Heck, after a week of Sam, they'll probably ship us back first class. I tell myself that as we drive away. I tell myself a lot of stuff. Anything to keep my mind occupied. Because in order to get out of Tampa, we have to cross over the Sunshine Skyway Bridge. It's straight ahead, so I focus on the back of Grandpa Joe's head. I could only see that night. The semi's headlights, the wreck, the fall, my mother's face. Sam flips open the pocket knife. It's rusty and dull and makes this awful sound when she closes it. We bump onto the bridge and Grandpa Joe says, you two like fishing? We've got a pond, Grandma Barb says. We'll sharpen up that blade and I'll teach you how to fillet. Grandpa Joe looks genuinely excited. It's almost like the farther we get from our home, the happier he gets. He starts whistling to some horrible old song on the radio. The singer sounds like she's crying at the bottom of a well. And Grandpa Joe just keeps bobbing his head. I've never seen him like this. It's creeping me out. He just came from his daughter's funeral. After we put Tim's body in the ground, mom didn't speak for days, let alone whistle. Grandma, Bar <clears throat> Grandma Barb turns towards us. If you kids get hungry, I've got tuna fish sandwiches. And you've got a pee, tough titty, Grandpa laughs. Joe, she playfully hits his arm and the car swerves a hair. Sam jerks back. We're still not over the bridge. We can stop whenever you kids need, Grandma Barb says. You just say the word. Grandpa whistles even louder and Grandma Barb says, Joe, hush. These kids don't want to hear this old fashioned music. Nonsense. The whistle resumes. I swear, she says and digs into her purse. I brought your walking mins. She hands over our iPods. This whole situation is so odd. I can't take it. Sam and I pop in our earbuds and block out their stupid voices and stupid song. Florida eventually vanishes, just like the sun. It's dark on the highway, except for the occasional taillights of another car or RV. Sam's already asleep. My iPod has run out of juice, but I keep my earbuds in because my grandparents haven't bothered me in hours, except when we stop for gas. Grandma asks if we need to use the potty. 
She actually says potty. I'm shaking my head, then notice a cop car pulling into the station. I get out and head inside. I hang around the bathroom, hidden behind a rack. I watch the officer fill up. Maybe he can help stop our grandparents from taking us. All right, decision time. Do you run to the cop and ask for help? Turn to page 49, wherever that is, audiobook or Kindle, or get back in grandpa's car. Turn to page 77. So run to the cop and ask for help <coughs> or get back in the car. All right, guys. I appreciate you hanging out, listening to these stories. Hope you're enjoying it. If you have any questions of your own, send them over. I wouldn't mind answering a couple of reader questions every week. Um, gives me something to talk about. All right. I hope you guys have an excellent week, and I will talk to you later. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.